Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. Welcome to Episode 7 of Launchpad. I'm your host, Grace Salmon, and on behalf of the author marketing coach, Mary Helen Sheriff, I could not be more happy to have everyone with us tonight. If you're joining us live on one of our Facebook channels, please feel free to leave your comments in the chat, ask questions in the chat, and basically just have a wonderful time with us. And I have to tell you, buckle up for this episode, because on this episode, we have secrets and assassins, dentists and doctors, wives of multiple kinds, trips through Asia, reckless choices, past decisions, and sagas and serials. Welcome to the Launchpad Microphone. I'd like to start tonight with introducing you to our guests. Tonight we have Josie Brown, author of The Housewife Assassin, wonderful Lovelace Cook, Meet Me in Dubai. Her book is not quite out yet, but we're excited it will be. Lee Bukowski, A Week of Warm Weather. And last and not least, Deborah Green, The Convention of Wives. Welcome to each of you tonight. How are you? Fine. Great. Great. Thanks for having us. Great to have you. Josie, let's start with you. Tell us about your newest book because you have written so many of them. Uh, this is uh, the 22nd novel in my Housewife Assassin series, and it's called Manners, Missiles, and Mayhem. And in this particular uh, novel, the protagonist, who's Donna Stone Craig, and her mission team, which includes her husband, Jack, are shadowing a Russian spy who has gained access to several of the Air Force's bases that are integral to our country's missile defense system. Uh, as it turns out, the boyfriend of the Craig's eldest daughter, Mary, owns the company that designed its security software. So those of you who are following the books will see a lot of him as well as a lot of Mary because she is an intern with, uh, with Congress and it just so happens that she is working for a liaison of the NSA. So it's a lot of intrigue and a lot of spy stuff and a lot of fun. And I go all over the country with it. And ripped from our headlines in many times, aren't they? Yes, this one particularly. That'll be great. We'll hear more about you and your other books in just a bit. Let's pop to Lee Bukowski, who's just written a fabulous book, A Week of Warm Weather. Right. So, Josie, you know, you've only written 21 more books in that series than I have altogether. So don't, you know, no need to show off. <laughs> no, thank you. So A Week of Warm Weather is my debut novel, and it is a fiction novel. It is about a woman who has suffered a trauma in her childhood. And whether she knows it or not, she has buried that trauma. And then as a young wife and mother, uh, she is in a marriage where her husband begins to behave very strangely, uh, very dangerously. And so that resurrects this trauma from her childhood. And it kind of sets her on this path where she has to not only figure out what to do about her husband, but to kind of go back and revisit this trauma and figure out how it plays into these situations that she's gotten herself into. So it really deals with you know, generational trauma, breaking that cycle of generational trauma, um, all sorts of you know, codependency and family secrets and lies and all of, all of that good stuff. It does sound like great stuff. Lovelace, tell us about Meet Me in Dubai, Mumbai. Mumbai. Well, I tell you what, um, this is a story of one woman's journey. And Jesse turned 62 
and she's decided her life is boring and she's horrified. So she implores the universe to get her out of her comfort zone. And it's always, uh, you know, you may want to be specific when you ask the universe for something, but the universe delivers uh, an Englishman in her life. And he, he, she's sophisticated. He loves wild camping. He had traveled in India and he dares her to meet him in Mumbai. They've, they've fallen in love. They've spent almost a year together. And he says, come to India. She has no, no idea what she's up for, but it is truly a fish out of water story. It's a mashup of, uh, well, I won't even the movies. Some of the movies are so old, but, um, but India becomes almost a character in the book. And the, the book is written in four parts. So it's the first section is India. The second, um, after they survive three months in India and their relationship is still intact remark remarkably, uh, Trevor invites Jesse, my protagonist, to meet him in Cornwall. An accident occurs a few days into the walking tour and a one-month trip extends to three months, but a secret's revealed. I love the idea that we're talking about secrets. A secret is revealed that throws everything into a, into a real, um, throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing. So Jesse tells Trevor she never wants to see him again, and we should never say never. They reunite and decide they're going to go on a seven-month odyssey through India, and things go pretty well initially in India. And while they're there, they're so close to Asia, why don't we go to Southeast Asia? Now, these are two seniors, and they initially started traveling like two uh, 20, you know, 20 year olds on a gap year. Now they've graduated from that shoestring to a bootstring. Um, once again, something comes up where Jesse understands that maybe a, there's been an untruth. And, you know, um, she has to decide how to deal with it. You know, has she grown? How is she going to deal with this? And I, th I think it's a novel of, of someone discovering themselves and how meeting and loving someone on travel can truly change your whole outlook on life and change everything in your life. Well, we'll be talking more about travel and secrets right after we hear from Deborah Green with her new novel, A Convention of Wives. Thanks so much for having me, Grace, and so nice to be here with everyone. Uh, the Convention of Wives is a story of two friends, Dina and Julia, who meet when they are young wives and new mothers, and they are at a medical conference with their two surgeon husbands, complaining about their husband's hours and the need for them to be so independent. And the story follows their friendship for about 30 years and their marriages, and the struggles within all of those relationships. In addition uh, to the contemporary story, it flashes back into the history of both of these women's families. And one of the themes of the book, one of the overriding themes is that we are not just who we are when we're born, we carry with us the weight, the background of our families genetically, psychologically, traditionally, traumatically, in all different ways. So we really can never escape that. The story has some secrets uh, and it it is more than just a story of love and romance. It, uh, it captures the current 
um, friendship of the women, the future friendship of the women, and complications within their families and a secret that emerges. Well, we have lots of secrets, lots of families, and lots of wives tonight. So we've got a lot to talk about. I want to welcome our listeners. Barbara Connery is with us, who says hello and things sound great. Michelle Ann Waite is lovely. Suzanne Simonetti, who I had the pleasure of speaking with yesterday, says a special hello to Lee. And uh, Lovelace, Barbara Connery says she will be checking out your Thank book. You. So it's just wonderful to have people um, from our Facebook community with us as well. So thank you. Keep your um, Please keep your comments coming and your questions coming. I'd like to talk a little bit about family dynamics. And Josie, I'd like to start with you because housewife assassin, there's a lot going on in that family. Yeah, there is. Um, uh, in the 22 books, they have extended over a period of 10 years. Uh, the oldest child was 12, Mary, and then Jeff uh, was two years behind her, both in middle school, he was 10. And then of course, there's a uh, little Trisha, and she was uh, right at preschool, about to enter uh, 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 kindergarten. But um, what's happened over the years is, you know, you have a, a woman who finds out that her husband was a black ops assassin after he dies and she takes his place. So the books have carried through. Um, the books came out of my own uh, fear, fear factor of what was happening in our world as far as, you know, espionage. And, and um, I, it all happened after, you know, I'm a after 9-11 mom. So I kind of internalized that. And as a, as a mom, you always want to take control. And I wanted to take control of the world. And I felt like, well, through her, I can do it. I mean, you know, personally, I'm afraid of fire, water, and heights, but Donna is not afraid of anything, and uh, she has her own vulnerabilities. I mean, she has a very deep backstory, so it goes back and forth throughout the, throughout all the books. You see her family life and how the kids pretty much figure out eventually that their mom is not the average mom, and they also figure out that the man in her life is not an average guy either. Matter of fact, they think he's their dad, but he's not. So that's been a lot of fun in how that came out throughout the series and also how it follows through. And now that they're, uh, the oldest is, has just turned 18, you know, she's getting out of high school. She has this chance at an internship. So we see them grow and everybody loves the fact that the, the kids are growing along with the stories and they, their involvement is piecemeal, but it explains a lot to the reader too, as to why Donna keeps moving forward with, with what she has to do in life and uh, in the government. And I love that your characters grow in age as you have progressed over this time. Deborah, you talk about secrets. Why don't you go there for us? Well, I, I think what's interesting in the novel is that there's a parallel between what the women are going through in today's world and what their ancestors did. And in every generation, there are secrets. You know, whether someone suddenly finds out, as Josie alluded to, someone they think is their father is not their father, or there's there's a hidden love at some point in, in someone's life. And with current technology and genetics, a lot of people have recently discovered many of these secrets. Some of it is good, some of it is a surprise you never really wanted to hear about. So uh, 
those are the kinds of things that occur in the convention of wives that everyone winds up dealing with and coming to terms with in the end. Thank you. Lee, secrets important in your book. Oh, yes. Very important. And both of actually both of those, uh, as I was listening to you, all three of you talk about your books, which all sound fabulous. Um, the family dynamic is huge in my book, particularly mother daughter uh, relationships, mother child relationships, because even uh, the husband in my book, there's a dynamic there uh, that existed with his mother who is deceased. Um, and so it's not just my protagonist, Tessa's um, relationship with her biological mother, uh, with her stepmother, who she really considers her mother. Um, but then she has young children of her own. And so then there's that dynamic. And so as Deborah was saying, you know, we're not, we don't just come into this world as a blank slate. I mean, I, I think we kind of all think of that we do, but we really don't because we really are a product of our families and our upbringing and our culture. And that whatever that family dynamic is that you are born into, um, in my book, um, Tessa is very connected to her family. She's Italian and she's got a big family and they are very, very close. And so, and then getting on to the secrets, um, I think that one of the things that, that I really uh, realized as, as I was writing is that part of it, I think, is that we're so much more evolved now, right? So we, things that we would have been secret forever, even not that long ago, you know, 30, 40, maybe 50 years ago, uh, we talk about now, but we didn't then. And so I think that's how sometimes these things that happen became secrets and you grow up with those secrets. And if you don't deal with them and you don't talk about them, that's where that cycle of generational trauma uh, really becomes important. And it's important then for someone at some point has to say, wait a minute, you know, if, if the, the secret, you know, I think there's a saying even, we're only as sick as our secrets. Um, and, and some secrets I think are worth keeping, uh, you know, just to put that out there. I think sometimes, you know, sometimes if it's a secret that, you know, maybe is just better, better left, uh, you know, maybe buried or not, not necessarily buried, but um, that maybe it's better if it doesn't come out. But in most cases, that's not, that's not true. And so uh, secrecy, it's a bit, that's a big part of, of my book in terms of Tessa and what she has buried and the secrets in her family that haven't been dealt with. Um, and that's where she, it's, it's really sort of a coming of age uh, in that way. And that acknowledging of you know, if we don't, if she doesn't acknowledge what's happened and these secrets that have been kept and then she's going to pass it on and she realizes that, that she's going to then subject her own children uh, to that, to that same generational trauma. Absolutely. And I want to switch quickly to Lovelace Cook, but I also want to recognize that people are loving the concept of secrets. I'm absolutely shocked that Barbara Conry, USA Today bestseller, who just released a book called My Secret to Keep, thinks secrets is a great idea. That's absolutely shocking to all of us. And um, Michelle Ann Waite uh, thinks it's so important to talk about this um, idea of family dynamics and finding family members. Uh, that comment is particularly to you, Deborah and maybe we can cycle back to that in a minute. But Lovelace, your book so, is not so much about secrets, but it's certainly about relational dynamics. Talk more about how that works in your book. Well, sometimes not very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, when opposites attract, I think that's, you know, I love the, that dynamic. And from, coming from very different backgrounds, um, where people have certain expectations, uh, just... For example, Trevor's background is that he grew up in post-World War II London, really playing on a bombed out, you know, a, a 
bomb site. I mean, right across the street from a bomb site. And over time, Jesse learns about his life, which is one of more or less de deprivation. Um, how the difficulties in post-war World War II England. Uh, however, Jesse has had a completely different you know, upbringing and is educated, has had an opportunity for a great career. They're, they're very different in terms of their backgrounds. Um, there's, there's one little moment in the book where Jesse is talking with one of her mother's friends and her mother's friend said, you know, your mother fell in love with an RAF um, correspondent who was at Maxwell Air Force Base. And so I think knowing that, Jesse had was, well, why don't I fall in love with an Englishman? So, you know, fools rush in. What can I say? So I want to talk, switch a little bit from your stories to your storytelling. And thank you, Nina, for joining us. She's saying that it's no secret that all of these stories sound wonderful. So She's my friend. So thank you for joining. It's actually Nina, but thank you so much for joining. So I want to hold with the idea of how we became storytellers. Each of us have come from very, very different places. Deborah, let's start with you. How did you become a storyteller? So I like to say that I think for everyone, our first storytellers are our parents, for most of us, whether they're reading us a book in the evening before we go to bed, or they're making up stories for us before we go to bed. And my parents were both fantastic storytellers. My mom in particular uh, told my brother and myself a story every night about a group called the Chicken People. And she would make this up every night and leave us hanging, a cliffhanger, so that we close our eyes and go to sleep. And it wasn't until years later that I understood the generation of the chicken people. And that was, to, to cut it a little bit short, uh, my mom was born in Berlin, Germany and was a kinder transport child. And when she oh. was taken to England to live with an aunt and uncle, they raised chickens in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And her job was to feed the chickens and clean the chickens and collect the eggs. But every Friday in preparation for the Sabbath, her aunt would pick a chicken and, you know, that was that. And then my mother was handed the chicken and my mother had to pluck the chicken. So I like to think that the chicken people stories was her way of giving her friends, uh, her pets, a different ending than what she actually saw happen. And, uh, and my dad was a real kibitzer, a jokester, you know, used to go into a restaurant put a napkin on his arm and go table to table and explain the entrees and the cocktails to total strangers. And we would be completely appalled and embarrassed. And he loved it. So I think, I think that love of storytelling and, um, and just uh, being able to entertain people in some ways came from my parents. And I, I really enjoyed storytelling and reading stories from a very early age. Oh, I want a whole children's book series about the chicken people. That <laughs> right? <laughs> Lovely saying, no, like, we want to read this. Right. I'll make a note. I'll make a note. It just, it's, it, it may be one of my best, our parents gave us stories, stories. So Deborah, thank you for that. Sure. Josie, you have been a journalist, a playwright, traditionally published, indie published, a novelist. How did you become such a storyteller? Um, well, it started, uh, my 
parents also were voracious readers and read to us. And I, I learned how to read by following my mother while she was mowing the lawn. I would read, I would walk behind her reading a book and out loud because you were supposed to read out loud. Of course, she couldn't hear a word I was saying. So everything I read was okay. And I was making it up. No, I never, I never made it up. But my, my sister and I used to go to bed. We, we shared rooms in twin beds. And we had this story going called Phyllis and the Little Girl. Now, I don't know who Phyllis was or the little girl, but I do remember that we would tell each other this story. It would be like a serialized story about what was happening to Phyllis and the little girl. So that kind of grew, you know, and then I watched a lot of Perry Mason. So <laughs> that was my love of mysteries. But yes, I, uh, I started out in advertising. I segued over to journalism. And then I uh, was working with a client that, I, that was really a big client. And I, we were taking a walk one day and she said, what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to write a, a novel. And she goes, so just do it. Just, just do it. And of course that was, you know, that was the gauntlet thrown and I picked it up and I, I was deadline oriented. So it worked out for me. <laughs> I could do it. Okay. I now want a whole nother children book series, which is oh. the hardest genre, right? But can't everybody just see Josie with her bangs, walking <laughs> after her mom, reading out loud, like Madeline. I, th this is, this is fabulous. <laughs> Now, Lee, you're a teacher, now turning full-time novelist. Tell us about your journey to being a storyteller. Yes, yes. So I am, I, I like to say I'm a recovering seventh grade English teacher. Um, I still do teach part-time at the university level, but I think also, you know, just like Deborah and Josie talked about, you know, storytelling in my family was very big um, as I, I come from a very large family. Um, and so I just always remember, you know, you sitting around the table always usually on Sunday and, you know, telling stories and we all, there's several that just come up even to this day that are decades old. And even, even to this day, my dad, um, you know, who is now in his eighties, he, we love, we, he'll sit and still tell us stories or he'll remember things as we drive around, you know, an area where we're not, where we don't maybe go that often. And he'll tell stories about, you know, when he was young or he was in school. I mean, he can remember things when he was in grade school and you know how it is. You can't remember what happened this morning, but you can remember things from, you know, 70, 80 years ago. Um, and, and I was all, you know, and so that was always a big part of my life, but then, you know, I've always been an avid reader. Um, and I'm sure, which is what made me go into teaching English and teaching writing. But I think what, you know, I think I always would lose myself in books. And so I really went to my books as, you know, that that is where I would go. You know, that's kind of my respite still is. Um, and then I think as I, I, I can't say that I would, am one of those, you know, some people say I've always wanted to write a novel. And I, I don't know that I can say that, but I think that as I uh, kind of went through my adulthood and had some, you know, tumultuous times and, you know, some turbulence as many of us do. Um, I think in the, the same way that I turned to reading um, as my respite and kind of that outlet, I think I then decided to turn to writing for the same reason, you know, as really, I thought, you know what, I think now I have a story to tell. I think I can put together a story. I think I've lived enough life. I have enough life experience. I don't know as a much younger woman that I would have really been able to write a, a novel with, with the kind of depth that I, that I would want. Um, and so I think really, you know, just, just like uh, Deborah and Josie were just talking about. It starts, you know, with your family and a love of reading and love of storytelling. And then I think just, you know, life happens. And and for me, all of that really sort of culminated in, you know, I really, I think I have a story to tell now and I, I would really like to do this. And, you know, I think you point out a thing that I believe is very truly, for me, even though I've written three other books before I wrote my novel, 
I don't think I had the life experience to do the novel part. And and that's not taking away from any of the other people who have been written writing for generations right. and doing beautiful work. I just know that for me, I needed that life experience under that's my belt. Not, yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. And I'm so excited that um, Betty Koval has joined us. She is a fabulous supporter of authors and many people call her cousin Betty. So thank you for thank joining you. us. Lovelace, you have had a long history in storytelling, writing, podcasting, TV, magazines. Talk about your path to storytelling, please. Well, it started out pretty early where I think like most people, you know, my mother used to tell my brother and me stories. She would she would read to us every evening, and she told us stories. And whenever she would read, we'd always say, you know, Mama, tell us a story out of your mouth. We didn't know where the stories were coming from. So that kind of inspired me um, when my brother and I were, we were, you know, pretty close. But I, I, I decided to write, to talk about or make up this adventure of Junior and Susie going into space. Now, I'm not sure exactly, you know, there must have been Buck Rogers or something on the television that inspired that. Um, I, I wanted to write really from, like Lee, once I learned to read, I kind of disappeared from the family. Um, the I just lost my train of thought there, disappearing. However, um, I, I wrote, I started writing really early. And I think one of the things that I recall was a cowboy story that I wrote and I probably was nine or 10. It was terrible. So, you know, I've journaled, I've written poetry, I've written songs. Just I've had a a totally nonlinear life, which I think probably because of all the experiences has contributed to um, coming out of my shell and being able to talk with people and, um, I, yeah, I've had I've had a lot of experiences, Grace. So that started it all. But I've always wanted to write. So you know, I've got piles of stuff that are is you know boxes of junk stuff. Good stories, good stories, Lee. I want to go back to you. Let's talk a little bit about genre, and let's talk a little bit about, especially because it's a debut novel. And this is we can't ask Josie this because she's written nine million novels. But how? Let's talk about genre, and let's talk about how autobiographical are any of our characters, Lee. So my book, it is a fiction novel, but parts of it are, I would say, have that memoir thread. Um, there are parts of it. There are parts, storylines, and also characters based on either my life or people I know. And then there are other parts and, and storylines that are uh, completely made up. But I think that, I think it's not that all, all that uncommon for a debut author, um, you know, I, to, I, I say, kind of pick apart your life. And as I said, it was my life experience that really got me thinking about uh, putting together a novel. So, um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I think you sort of pick your life apart and, you know, kind of throw it all in a pile and then you start to pull threads of that out and, you know, well, this could be part of it and this could be part of it, but this is made up. And so, um, you know, mine's definitely, mine definitely has, has autobiographical threads, but then again, there are, there are uh, pieces of it that are completely made up. Thank you, Deborah. Uh, I would have to say ditto to what Lee said. Uh, there definitely are pieces of it that are autobiographical. I'm married to a surgeon I've dealt with long hours and and being alone and uh, made friendships that were very supportive of times. But 
as in the novel novel uh you know i've also experienced issues with female friendship also stresses within marriage and i think most of us at this age have have gone through similar things um so some of that was translated directly into the novel and and although uh there isn't a person who is particularly uh real you know there really are composites of people there are a few characters that are more real than others uh for example there's an older woman sylvia this does not give away the plot in any way uh who once gave me a fascinating history tour of barbados and uh and i you i parodied her as a as a character in the novel and in fact it wasn't until i was really ready uh, for the novel to be released that I realized I didn't change her name. So at some point I had to sort of warn her uh, that she was in the novel and, you know, gave her a copy, suggested that. strongly yeah. that she read it sure. and uh, wanted to make sure she wasn't insulted because I tried to make her a little bit more strange and entertaining than she actually is in real life. Um, that, that works. And I yeah. cannot believe we're almost out of time. So I want to go quickly to Lovelace about the autobiographical question. And then Josie, I'm just going to let you bring us home with whatever you want around this topic. Okay. Lovelace. Well, I really did take a trip to India uh, at 63 and had never been there and was complete fish out of water. Are there characters within the book? There are things that are made up. There are people things that are, as people have said, composites. So I'll wrap it up with that. But yeah, it comes from a real experience. Uh, and I think I'm very jealous of that. I would not have been um, adventurous enough to do it, but I'm jealous that you did it. Josie, genre, you write so uh, many. Yeah, well, uh, my women's fiction books, my editor once asked me how I met my husband. And I said, well, I was in the backyard with a girlfriend and ne their next door neighbors were back in, also in their backyard cooking steaks while we were cooking hamburgers. And um, she called them the perfect couple. And when I and I had just turned in a book called Secret Lives of Husbands and Wives. And my editor said, um, so, you know, how'd you meet your husband? And I said, this, this is how. And she goes, that that's what you just wrote. Because in my mind, I'd never written about us. But yes, I met my husband because his wife left him, which happened in in Secret Lives of Husbands and Wives. And, we, you know, we just fell in love. But, and that happens in the book, but it happens over a long period of time. And it's with the neighbor, the woman who actually lives next door. So not next door, but in the neighborhood. So, so, it, a, little, it's, so a little bit of autobiographical and all yeah, of our works. Yeah. I want to I thank each and every one of you for being with us. Deborah Green, hold up your amazing book, The Convention of Wives. Thank you for being with us tonight. Lee Bukowski with your fabulous book, Week of Warm Weather. Josie Brown with the Housewife Assassin series, Lovelace Cook with her book, which is not quite out yet, but we're pretty excited about Meet Me in Mumbai. Ladies, gentlemen, thank Facebook you. friends, I want to thank everyone for being thank with you. us tonight on behalf of myself, Mary Helen Sheriff. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Launchpad, fell in love with a new author, found a new book, and thanks for coming to the Launchpad. Thank you. Thank you. We enjoyed having everybody here with us tonight, and thanks again. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.